end of this week's Next Gen theme, we are delighted to welcome Mindy Early. She's the Chief Learning Officer for the Family Office Exchange coming out of Chicago. In her role, she fosters integrated programs for enterprise families and is responsible for developing the family learning community. She is a strong interest inventory facilitator with a certificate in family business advising. She enjoys helping families navigate the unique world of family enterprise and relationships by understanding that responsibility and intention pave a way to personal achievement and satisfaction. I'm so glad you've joined us, Mindy, and the warmest welcome. Let's start off with what are the biggest challenges facing the rising generation today? Great question. Uh, there are many. Um, from our Fox research, we've identified a few, a few that really bubble up to the top. Um, and I'll focus on two in particular, and that would be role preparation, role definition, and communication. I actually spent time leading a family meeting yesterday. So really this um, challenge is fresh in my mind when I think about um, the individuals that I was around a table with and the struggles they were facing to move into meaningful roles of leadership within the family, whether those roles are defined or undefined. This was a smaller family. They don't have a governance structure and um, seven children trying to find their pathway and, and navigate uh, leadership uh, engagement within the family office, within an operating company. So I would say the number one thing that we see rising gen struggle with, even in the most organized of families, is that role definition piece. Um, even to the questions of what is expected of me um, and how do I prepare for the roles that I will be playing in the future? That's a big question. And the parents or the leadership generation, they're asking the same thing, but it comes out a little bit differently. What do the kids want to do? How do we get them prepared? Uh, what are they interested in? Um, and that's additive. All of that is uh, the family work. So Rising Gen may have their own careers and families and um, so this is a bit of an extra expectation on them. Um, so that can be a challenge. Uh, so that's the number one thing that I see Rising Gen struggling with. We know that from our Fox research, from the data, anecdotally from Rising Gen, uh, the things that they talk about uh, with us. After that, it would be communication. And what wrapped within communication is a number of different things. It's conflict resolution. It's a decision-making process. It's making sure their voice is heard. Um, which can be difficult in a large family when you're um, not in a position of authority, when the family member still has that narrative and they see you as the bratty 14-year-old girl. Uh, those are real challenges and communication can be difficult um, to get a seat at the table, to be heard, to have an actual role within the family. So that kind of goes in tandem with that role definition piece. After that, uh, a, a few other challenges we see are related to some technical skills and education. Uh, becoming more financially literate is certainly one. Um, and then also, um, we hear very specifically the number one requested course from our Rising Gen is conflict resolution and negotiating skills. Um, those are dynamics that pop up in families. Those are skills that they need to learn that will serve them well in life, in a work professional setting and around the board table with their families. There's a word you used earlier when you said that um, the next gen often are trying to figure out how to play a meaningful role. What would constitute a meaningful role? Just from the conversations you have with many of the next gen family members, what are they looking for? 
they are looking to make a difference and find um, a real place within their family, right? That uh, that really encompasses all of the things I said earlier, that their voice is, uh, they're not just in the room, but their voice is heard, and perhaps they have a vote on something, right? That it's not lip service, that their meaningful role means they're actually contributing um, that they are um, they are heard, that they can make a difference, that they can serve their family system in one way or another. And when we talk about leadership, we're, it's a pretty liberal def- definition in that it doesn't need to be leading the family council or running the operating company, but it could be chairing a committee within the family governance structure. That's a meaningful role. Uh, a way that Rising Gen know it's a specific position um, that they can fill to help serve the family and move initiatives forward. And it might be their own personal or generational initiative. So in terms of trends, what are the trends you're seeing within families and how they're dealing with the rising generation? This answer is a little bit different for me this year, as I imagine most questions are, um, answers are uh, after or coming out of a pandemic and the experience of a pandemic. What I'm seeing most with my consulting work with the families I'm working with is a desire to create some of that foundational mission, vision, values work within families. And this is, it's multi-pronged in that leadership generation wants to get those policies, philosophies, procedures, structures in place so that the rising gen can move into the meaningful roles we talked about. But it's also um, after a long time of not being together or um, for the families that were together a lot, it's a reflection of, I realize there are things that we need to work on. We as a family understand it's important to codify and talk about how our values matter and they serve us, uh, how we model them in action, as well as the current uh, mission and then the vision into the future. So I'm noticing a lot of families having discussions like that, a lot of projects around that, and this real focus to create the create or strengthen the the true north, the culture, the fabric of the family when, you know, we've had a difficult almost two years now and, uh, and families want to make sure that they have a strong and solid foundation that will launch that rising generation uh, so that they can serve well into the future. And so the generation that will be serving together are connected, they're cohesive, they're harmonious. That's certainly a, a trend I didn't expect. Uh, but we're noticing a lot of conversation around that. And and within that inherently is a desire to relationally connect again after being apart for many, you know, many months or unable to travel to see each other. So just tell us about the kind of work that you do uh, at Fox, at the Family Office Exchange. How How does Fox encourage families to prepare their rising generations? Yes, I would love to talk about that. I... Um, I came to Fox about three years ago, and uh, prior to that, I worked in two different single-family office and was focused on that rising gen preparation, family learning, family education as a whole. But um, Fox, uh, upon my arrival, Fox had a few different rising gen programs, and together, um, myself and Sarah Hamilton, our founder and CEO, worked on creating a rising gen leadership program, which serves a different need for this unique population and the roles that they'll be going to into the future. 
So for us, uh, the, the genesis of the program was focusing on some of the core leadership abilities and skills necessary for individuals that will be in, living in a family of wealth, stewarding wealth, Uh, focusing on responsible ownership, boards and governance. Uh, But the thing that we began with, I used to work in higher education. So I go back to like adult learning theory, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that personal piece to be self-actualized and um, confident and comfortable with who you are. So we focus on that through some of our educational pillars with the leadership program to know that Um, There is a strength and a confidence um, around personal leadership and personal identity before we get into any of the other topics, boards and governance and things um, that are certainly important. But um, the personal piece, uh, everything flows from that. So we have a Rising Gen Leadership Program. We do Rising Gen Forums, monthly virtual meetings. Uh, We have a peer network. A lot of what we do is focused on education, certainly, as well as creating that trusted peer community. um, Every time, it goes without fail, every time we host a Rising Gen Leadership Program, uh, some iteration of a statement comes out um, from attendee, usually in a reflection activity at the end of two days or in a post-event survey. And people say, "Um, I realized I'm not alone. And I think that's the thing that sticks with me constantly is that one, people feel that they are alone or uh, in this very private space, they feel like they can't talk about the things that we're addressing in the room, right? The family dynamics, the challenges, the navigating relationships uh, that, you know, may feel like people are your friends because of your money or how to measure up in a, a really successful, educated, competitive family. All of these things that are in the milieu of living with wealth that sometimes go unaddressed. And it's easier to say, well, let's focus on financial literacy. That will be important for you. And let's focus on giving and philanthropic efforts. But um, some of those more qualitative, if we want to call them softer skill pieces, Um, They're really, really important, and our Rising Gen community is um, centered around a lot of those building blocks. Absolutely. We're certainly living in an era of EQ, where that's really, really important. You mentioned that um, families are also pursuing a vision, a vision that is relevant for the time we find ourselves in and the future as the world transforms as a whole. So how does Fox help families to create a lasting vision? A number of different ways. We have multiple subject matter experts. I, you know, myself, my my area, my wheelhouse is rising gen, family learning, family cohesion. But we have individuals that are focused on governance, uh, communication, consensus, trust building, uh, you know, pulling out the family office from the operating company for embedded family offices, all of those things really um, go into creating that shared vision. So it's a matter of connecting members, um, and in some cases, non-members with the right subject matter expert at Fox, walking alongside them to make sure that we're supporting them with what they need, um, according to the work that they've already done. Some families, um, they have the strategy, they have the structure, they have a governance system in place, but there are other things that they need where we can collectively surround and support them. Having a vision looks different for every family, right? So we need to make sure that we know them well, um, know them well enough to be able to understand what it is they want to focus on to last and make a, a, you know, have a lasting legacy for generations to come. And of course, um, 
you know, a lot of that is, is done through specific forums. Uh, we have workshops um, for enterprise families that are um, keenly focused on this, this shared vision work. But um, there is likely not a conversation at Fox where we aren't asking questions about what is your shared vision and um, let's talk about it and how is the rising generation included and how are you preparing them to be part of that shared vision? And is it, um, is it, adopted and agreed upon by the entire family and not the work of just a family council? Is this really truly a collective shared vision? So in terms of this concept of learning, where should it start for a family? Today, yesterday, age five. (laughs) It can feel so daunting for families when they're talking about um, family education, family learning, especially when we start to throw around words like, you know, pedagogy and andragogy or curriculum or architecture or course structure that it can feel um, overwhelming. Um, But truthfully, education is omnipresent in a family. And I think it starts at age five around a dinner table, right? It starts with um, talking about family stories, family history, events that really represent your family at its best. There's a research study done from Emory University here in the States, and it's um, a list of questions. It's called the Do You Know Scale. And um, these questions lead to essentially understanding your family history, where you've come from, and a, a narrative, an oscillating narrative about we we succeeded, we were successful, and, and then bad things happened, and we persevered, we were resilient. The questions within this study really get to knowing your family, knowing your past, and feeling that you have this good foundation, these roots that go deep, that you come from a family of love, and you know, insert any other value, that allows you to grow and flourish, right? because you know your family has had good times and bad times. When we talk about education, it's um, it can be very structured. We uh, just this week, actually, we're releasing a family learning handbook that goes through three different stages of family learning, beginning, emerging, and formalized, and provides a lot of practical application, applied learning worksheets, tools, questions to ask, case studies, books to read. So there's no shortage of resources by any means. It's it's really a matter of how do you curate this for your family in particular? Where do you begin? Who are you educating? I think education is for the entire family, but oftentimes we're talking about, let's start with the kids, the rising gen, and um, are they old enough, uh, you know, are they all around the same age that we could do one learning program? Do we need to focus on the older group right now that's asking questions about their trust or prenups or they're starting to get married? And um, what works for one family uh, is going to look wildly different um, you know, compared to the other family. So I think it's a matter of taking a really good look at who you want to educate, what matters most, what is that low-hanging fruit, right? Have you gone through a governance process and really need to educate the family about the family charter or the family constitution or the committees? Or is it the history values piece? The one thing I do say is that um, financial literacy is tremendously important and uh, understanding the value of a dollar and investing and reading balance sheets important, but if uh, any kind of family learning or education begins with the money, that tells a story that the money is most important and the money matters. That's why I like to go back to that that personal leadership piece, 
uh, doing assessments to understand your strengths and your interests. I could clearly talk about education forever. Uh, it's certainly a passion of mine. I love working with families on projects like this to either create or um, modify their learning programs. But, you know, it, it begins with conversations, with transparent discussions about, um, you know, the family history, about the business choices made along the way. Uh, it's it's really just just as simple as that, and then as complex as you'd like to make it. Okay, so we've spoken about um, the next gen just putting up their hands and saying, "I'm willing to step up." But how do, can they get involved in actual leadership roles and programs within um, the family office? This is fresh in my mind because it was a conversation I was in uh, with a family yesterday that. It, you know, there's a bifurcation of the families that have a structure and there's still complexity and there's still questions on how to rising gen get involved and, and move into a role of leadership. And then there are the families that don't have a structure and then it's even more confusing. And, and the first rising gen or the, the most determined, most interested has a really difficult path to make their way, right? Of course, there are FOX programs, there are other industry programs out there um, from a formal and technical perspective to get educated. Within a family system, it looks a little bit different. And generally, I say uh, encouraging some type of structure or process, some pathway, right? That if um, it, for lack of committees or governance structure, what are, make a list of the things that you want the rising gen to learn, to become involved and have them go through what, I've done this with other families, we call it learning tracks, right? Have them go a set, go through a set of learning tracks to become prepared for a particular role. And that could simply be meetings to have with individuals at the family office, books to read, courses to go to, certain experiences. Um, so I think the more clarity there is, the easier it is to find a path to leadership. Um, even when it comes down to if a family has an operating company and a rising gen would like to work in that operating company, what are the expectations for them, right? They need to have this many years of outside experience, this type of education. And if it's not very prescriptive from a family employment policy perspective, what are the philosophies around working in the family operating company? It will be a meritocracy. You will be given the position um, that you are prepared and qualified for and nothing more. To me, the struggles I see come because of a lack of uh, boundaries or pathway. And the easier you can make it for a rising gen to select a pathway, um, then they will follow along. I often um, say it's like going to university and saying, well, I'd like to be a doctor. And, you know, your career counselor saying, wonderful, go take classes, right? Just go take classes and learn. Um, but you don't really know, like, is it biology and, and which course and in what order? So that's essentially what Rising Gen are faced with. Like, I'd, I'd like to be in a leadership position or I'd like to have a meaningful role within the family. Okay, great. I want you to do that and aspire to that. But how? And I need a little bit of help, a little bit of direction, right? And and choice within that direction, but the ability to say, I, I want this role and I can choose this pathway or this pathway. And that feels very authentic to the way that I'd like to educate and prepare. Uh, so I think it's it's a lot about um, opening doors, providing structure, being transparent in conversations, um, and helping the rising gen along. Okay, we've uh, 
not really alluded to it, but it is one of those sub-themes, unfortunately. It's managing tension so that you can create cohesion. So how can family cohesion be achieved? Great question. So there's a study that I've been citing recently about um, the things that lead to family cohesion. And it's not surprising. The top thing on the list is joint shared values. Um, And uh, having the, having that, it's again, that strong foundation, that base, that um, love and loyalty and the shared values piece um, is huge for families to be able to be in good communication, to trust, to work together, to work on that shared vision. Um, after that, uh, it's communication, and it's two aspects of communication, regular and transparent communication. So that often comes down to a formalized structure to meet and share information and not, um, well, I called this person yesterday and told them this, and I then talked to your sister and then my aunt, And but it's some type of specific format. Um, it's quarterly meetings, it's an annual family meeting, it's a monthly email with family updates, regular transparent communication is important, as well as um, conflict resolution and decision-making processes because we know that tension pops up and families are real and they have family dynamics and they have a shared history. And um, I talked yesterday at the family meeting about um, triggers, right? That it was, it was your job as a sibling, you know, to trigger your, your uh, older or younger sister to find their buttons and poke and push them. So you're practiced in that as family. So how do you move forward in really healthy and constructive ways with a process, with a decision-making process, with a way to communicate? Um, that is really, really important. So it's the joint shared values as well as communication. And then some type of gathering and learning format, the ability to come together for that relational connection as well as Um, the updates, the education, the learning, right? When I think about a really good family meeting, whether it's a one day at the family office or it's a three day at the resort, um, the extended family meeting, it needs to have a balance of a number of different things, fun included, education, the business updates, uh, time to be together as family. I think that's really important, especially coming out of the pandemic when people have been separated that we see families wanting to just connect again and feel feel cohesive and harmonious and whole and then get to the other stuff. They'll get to the business updates and the investment committee and the shared vision, but um, that relational connection really, really matters. And that um, is an important part of that family cohesion to help you avoid the tension. And again, it comes down to the structures and the process that allow you to have the difficult conversations which are difficult and they're not always fun, but um, conflict is more difficult and more damaging. Thank you so, so much for uh, sharing your insights, Mindy. It's been quite informative. That brings us to the end of the first week of Standard Bank's Phenomenal Families, Season 2. Thank you to our speakers who went above and beyond to share practical insights on how our families can prepare the next generation for effective transition into the family business. Join me next time when we hear from thought leaders on the subject of impact investing and how that is driving positive change all around us. Please note that these recordings are also available as a podcast. I'm your host, Lerat Mbele. It's been wonderful. Goodbye until next time.